can I pray for you? That's maybe the most important thing is on the front. How can we pray for you? Mark that, at least fill that out, and our team would love to be able to be praying for you specifically or as specific as you want to make it, and by name if you give us your name. So uh, as we're still in this series, Broken Beginnings, I brought something from home for you. I brought one of my lamps, and uh, let me get this lamp on real quick. start this well well we have a broken lamp for uh my sunday morning illustration now i'm at a crossroads here um so if i've got a broken lamp i'm sure some of you have experienced this you go to a lamp and you try to turn it on it doesn't turn on i've got a couple choices one choice would be to just throw it out that door because we have trash cans right outside that door so i could open that door and i could just heave it on out that door and say that's it i'm done and I could ask Mark, our production guy, to bring me another lamp so I can continue in my message and my illustration. Or I could pull out some tools and start ripping this thing apart. I don't know anything about electricity other than it shocks you. So maybe I could start pulling everything apart and start trying to find the wires. But that's probably not the best course of action. Would you agree with me on that? Although it would probably be very entertaining to watch me chuck this thing out the door. It's probably not the best one, right? No, what do we do? We check probably to make sure it's plugged in first. So let's make sure that our cord is plugged in. Plugged in, see if that did anything. Nope, still didn't do anything. So what would you do next? If you have a lamp that doesn't work, it's broken, what do you do? Ah, yes, let's check the light bulb. So you pull that light bulb out, you see if it's a bad light bulb. Now if you've got the older light bulbs, you do one of these things. I don't know what you're supposed to do with like the LED ones. It doesn't shake or anything. So I'm, it looks like it should work, doesn't look burned out or anything. So if I put it back in... There you go. So I think what actually happened here, I, I don't think it was screwed in all the way. Anybody have, like, toddlers that like to just randomly unscrew things around your house? Yeah, probably. Now, there's a valuable lesson here, is we can easily escalate to an end result, right? When we encounter something that's not working or not working properly, if it's broken, we can quickly just say, well, that's it. It's not working. I got to get rid of it. I got to get a new one. Get it out of here. Give me another one. But usually what we do, what common sense would even tell us is, well, let's try to diagnose the problem. Because the fact that the light wasn't coming on obviously is the problem, but there's a reason behind the problem, right? And so we start to diagnose it. We start looking and analyzing, well, is it plugged in? Is the light bulb bad? Is the light bulb all the way screwed in? Is, is a breaker flipped? We try to go through all these things before we get to the place to say, I need a new lamp. If the light bulb is broken, but... We just immediately say, well, I just needed a new lamp. Now, my wife would probably love that. She'd probably go and unscrew all the light bulbs if that's how I acted. Oh, light's out again. We need a new lamp. We need a new lamp. No, we don't go to that extreme yet. There's almost a process by which we, we begin to look for the reason it's broken. That's the point, is the reason why. We have the problem, but there's usually a, a root problem. There's usually the, the problem beneath the problem, the real problem. That's what we need to begin to look at, and... and Outside of these, these situations, we, we usually don't just jump to the extreme, but I'll tell you, in our, in our lives, I mean, we live in a broken world, right? So, I mean, we're going to deal with broken things. It's just the way it is. Broken world, we're going to deal with broken things. So that's broken relationships. That's broken marriages. That's, that's broken jobs, broken careers. You name it, broken finances. We're going to deal with broken things. And if we're not careful, we'll jump to the extreme quick. 
will say, well, it's broken, it's not working, it's not working the way it should be working, it's not working to its potential, so let's just go get a new thing. Let's just start over. Let's just get rid of it all. Instead of saying, well, hang on, yes, there's a problem, something's broke, but what's really broken? What's really the root or, or at the heart of the issue? That's what we have to begin to ask, because yes, we're going to deal with broken things, and just because the problem that is in front of us is, is the most obvious, it may not be the real problem. So what we want to do is we want to try to figure out the real problem. We want to look at the, the heart of the issue. We want to look at the root problem so we can actually figure out how to begin to approach problems. Because understand, I'm not saying we won't get to that extreme. I mean, I could have gone through all of this and it's still not work. Okay, I need a new lamp. But there's an approach that I take that says, all right, before I do anything drastic, let me see if I can figure out the root of the problem, the heart of the problem, and begin to work from there. So if you have your Bibles, head over to Luke chapter 8. There's a parable that Jesus tells that speaks to almost that process and more so that first step, our approach to life, to problems, to our relationship with God. It's, it's basically step one. We talked about next steps. This is step one. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. I'll put them on the screen behind you if you don't have your Bible. Here's what's happening. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. So Jesus has a lot of people surrounding him, coming to see him, coming to hear him, and he tells this parable, a, a fictional story. Here it is, verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some seed fell along the path. Now there's going to be four of these kind of places. I want you to take note of them, keep track of them, we're going to come back to them. He was scattering seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, just there in the parable, there's a problem. There's something's not working properly. There, there's something that's broken, and that's for this farmer. He sowed and scattered all of the seed, but only 25% of what he actually planted grew anything or yielded a healthy crop. Now, I am not a farmer. I don't claim to be a farmer. I should not be a farmer. So, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if 75% of what you sowed doesn't grow anything, that to me would be a problem as I think most farmers would agree. So if only 25% actually did what it was supposed to, you have 75% that's not doing what it's supposed to, there is a problem, something's broken. So then you would begin to diagnose the problem. Well, maybe it was, maybe it was the seed, right? Maybe it was just bad seed. You scattered all this seed, only 25% actually grew anything that was worthwhile. That has to be the root of the problem. It has to be the seed. Or maybe it's the farmer, Maybe it was somebody trying to be a farmer that shouldn't be a farmer and has no idea what they're doing with farming. That would be the problem if I was doing it. He didn't know what he was doing, and so therefore it didn't yield the crop that it was supposed to. Maybe that was a problem. Maybe it was just bad weather. I mean, there's all sorts of extenuating circumstances or environmental factors that could cause this to happen. Maybe it was one of those. It got too much water. It didn't get enough water. The sun wasn't just right. The temperature got too cold anything like that, maybe there's an extenuating circumstance, but what is the cause? Why did the seed not produce? Well, Jesus, he goes on and he actually explains it. If you go back down uh, just a few verses, verse 11, he gives the meaning. He gives the meaning. Remember how many types of soil were there? Do you remember? 
four. Yes, there's four. He's going to explain it because he says, out of all the things that could be the problem, what's really broken, the real issue is the type of soil that the seed landed on. That's why only this seed grew and why all of these others did not. He said, that's going to be the problem. And then he begins to unpack it and explain it. Jesus doesn't always explain his parable in this way, but the disciples, like they usually would be, pretty confused. And so they said, Jesus, what in the world? Are you farmer or seed? I don't get it. So he explains. Verse 11. Jesus says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Then he goes through and he's going to explain each of these four soils. Verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so they may not believe and be saved. Verse 13, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy, and they believe for a while. They receive it with joy, and they hear it, but they have no root, no depth, so they believe for a while, but in times of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns they stands for those who hear, but as they go along their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So he unpacks each of these soils, and he says the issue, the problem, there's a problem, but then there's a real problem underneath the surface. He says the reason that the the seeds weren't growing the way they were supposed to is because it wasn't the right soil in every situation. In fact, only 25% or the, the last one, the good soil, produced a crop worth anything. The other ones did not. He says it's the soil. The soil is the problem. And he explains each of those soils as a heart condition. He says each of those soils speak to where your heart is, the condition of your heart. He says that's the real point of it. Now, what did the seed stand for? He says, the meaning of this parable, the seed is the word of God, God's word. So all the, all the seeds represent God's word being spread out and being received in some form or fashion to everyone's heart, but not everything produces. Not every heart produces because of the heart condition. Ronald Reagan said this, whether you believe or uh, agree with his policies or anything, I would agree with him wholeheartedly with this statement. He said this, within the covers of the Bible... Within the covers of the Bible are the answers for all the problems men face. Between the covers of God's word are the, the answers to every problem that we will face. I totally believe in that. Most certainly. But here's what it does not do. Because you could take it to the extreme and say, well, does that mean every little and insignificant problem and every major problem, life-changing problem I have, are those spelled out word for word in God's word? No. But the root, the heart of all of those problems, the heart of those brokenness, what's really happening underneath the surface, yes, those answers are in God's word. Most certainly. Whatever we face, whatever brokenness, whatever lights aren't working in our life, whatever we would deem broken, God's word speaks to what's really broken underneath. But here is another issue we face. Are you ready to hear what God's word has to say? Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to truly allow God's word to take root? Or is it like some of the soils where we just, we hear it, but we don't allow it to take root? So go back through. Let's think through those soils, but really think through the heart of it. There was four of them. Let's see if you remember. What was the first one? The seed fell along the path. That's right. The path. And, and Jesus says that it was like falling on the path and it was trampled on and it never was even able to take root because it was taken away. That's a heart of somebody that's got a hard heart. Somebody that says, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do things my way, and I don't care what anybody else thinks or feels. I only care what I think and what I feel and what I believe and what I want. 
That represents a very hard heart, which you would imagine a path that had been trampled on would be a very hard heart. Hard heart. The path represents a heart that is closed off to God, not open to God whatsoever. What was the second one? It fell on what kind of soil? Rocky. Yes, it, it fell on the rocky soil. It said it wasn't able to actually take root. It started to grow, but it withered. And what Jesus explained was, that's like a heart that receives the word of God with joy and, and excitement and passion. But as soon as troubles come, as soon as something breaks, as soon as something in your life happens, and well, that wasn't supposed to happen, that's not the way I had planned this, that heart walks away. A heart that fall, or a heart that would be represented like the rocky soil says, I'm fine as long as everything else is fine. I'm good as long as everything else is always good. But as soon as it gets difficult, that heart, the rocky heart, can't handle problems, can't handle trials, can't handle any kind of testings and, and, and things that would not go our way, can't handle it. So that heart says, I'm out. I can't handle it. That one would wither. What was the third one? Depends on what kind of soil? Thorns, yes. The thorns would be the one where God's word has taken root. But over time, this one usually is seen more so over time, but over time, other things are growing with it. The word of God is growing in your life, but so are other things. This would be a divided heart. A heart that loves God. A heart that believes in God. But also loves a lot of other things. And over time, those other things choke out God's word in our life. So yes, I, I love God, I love the Lord, and I serve him. And, and you kind of go through the things you should do, but you're split. That heart is a divided heart, and it can't sustain deep roots because of all the other things crowding in the heart. A divided heart. What was the last one? What kind of soil? Good soil. Just good. Now, it's not perfect soil. It's, it's good. In fact, Jesus says it this way. He says, but the forest soil... Said the seed on good soil stands for those with noble and a good heart. A noble and a good heart who hear the word and also retain it. They hear it, they retain it, they have a good heart. But it goes on, and there's one more thing, and you remember what it said here? A P word, and by persevering, that's key. And by persevering, produce a crop. So you've got the right heart. You have a good heart, but it doesn't end there. It's the right heart, but also this persevering side of it. Persevering is, is the hard work, it's persistence, it's sticking with it. So I have a good heart, but I also have to be working at it. It's taking effort. It's not just, oh, I have a good heart, so everything good should happen to me and around me. <laughs> no, it's I have a good heart, but I, I have to work at it. I have to put the effort into it. I have to have persistence. Now, in each of these that Jesus explains, he's saying, all right, the, the problem, not a lot of crops came up. So what's the real problem? What's the heart of the problem? He says, it's the heart. Because each of these represent a condition of the heart. And he says, the real problem is the heart. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what the problems are for you. I don't know what your broken lamp is currently where you would say, hey, right now in my life, this is broken. Whether it's some kind of a relationship that's broken, whether it has to do with your job, whether it has to do with your family, your kids, your finances. We all have things in our life that are not working well. Absolutely. And that's going to be on a large scale. Generally speaking, we all have things in our lives that are broken, are not working. They're not working at all or not working the way that we think they should or to their full potential. So the question then is, what's the real problem? If it's a relationship problem, if there's a relationship that's broken, well, why? Instead of just saying, ah, get rid of it, let's get a new one, let's start over, it's, well, why is it not working? Let me say this, maybe, 
maybe. I'm not saying always. That's why I'm very, everybody hears me say maybe, right? Maybe the real problem is really a heart problem. Just maybe. Maybe the real problem is really a heart problem. Maybe what is really broken is a heart condition. And that's what Jesus is pointing to here. He's saying, what's the condition of your heart? Because only one out of the four conditions, heart conditions, is actually going to produce anything. Is actually going to yield a crop. So maybe the problem is really a heart problem. Now, here's our tendency. As you, you hear me say that, we read that in scripture, and you're like, yes, amen. Preach it, Brian. Yes, my boss is the problem. My boss's heart is the problem. Yes, he does have a hard heart. Or it's my spouse's heart. They're thorny. I mean, you, you name it. We can easily start putting people's names in that. It says, yes, their heart is the problem. So let's, let's just get rid of them, right? No. We can't just look at them. Here's a great thing to remember. If you know your alphabet, this will be easy for you. I comes before you. I comes before you. Our tendency is to point fingers and point the blame at everybody else's heart. And they're the problem, and they're the problem, and this is why that's happening. If they weren't there anymore, and if they had this kind of a heart, guess what? You cannot control everybody else's heart. <laughs> I comes before you. Start asking that about yourself. What is my heart condition? Here's, here's the situation that I have. Here's the brokenness in my life. Here's what's not working. What is my heart condition? How am I approaching that issue, that problem, whatever that thing is that is broken? Things like this, I've experienced this quite, quite often. But uh, we, we can't always treat people like we would like a, a remote in a TV. Because if you're watching TV, you got the remote in your hand, you're reclined out, you're watching something on TV, and at some point you say, I don't want to watch that anymore. Well, you do. Next. You watch that, you're like, nope, don't want to watch that either. Change the channel. I definitely don't want to watch that. Change the channel. I mean, you have complete control, right? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to move. Nothing about you has to change. All you do is push a button, you change the channel, and the station cha changes. The TV changes. Becky and I, this happened a few weeks ago. Uh, we were sitting down. Kids had gone to bed. We were sitting on the couch. We were getting ready to watch TV, and, and I don't always, you know, I, I will admit, I probably hang on to the remote more than I should. So I've got the remote in my hand, and I look at Becky, and I'm like, well, what should we watch? And she pauses just long enough for me to throw a suggestion out first. I said, ooh, the new Pirates movie is on Netflix now. Let's watch Pirates of the Caribbean. And she's like, well, we could. Now, husbands, when your wife says, yeah, we could, it's, no, I have another idea that you really should do. Um, even after almost 10 years of marriage, I have a thick head sometimes. So I said, ah, that sounds great. We'll watch that. So I put on Pirates of the Caribbean, and, and uh, I learned very quickly that was the wrong move. And uh, so I'm pleased to say that I've made up for it, because since then, we were sitting on the couch, very similar situation, and I said, hey, well, what should we watch? And I paused long enough for her to say these words, how about the Hallmark Channel? <laughs> yeah. Now, if you're familiar with the Hallmark Channel, you know it's the same thing, just in different seasons. <laughs> so we just got through Christmas, and now it's the same plot, the same actors and actresses, just without a Christmas tree. They're like in a snowy mountain instead of a Christmas town or something. I was like, I know how this is going to play out. And I said, are you sure? She says, yeah, there's a new one on. I'm like, it's not new. I know how it's going to work. So I had a dilemma, a major dilemma that was going to impact the remainder of my marriage or the longevity of my marriage, I should say. So I said, 
okay. Yeah, I said, okay. Because here's, here's what happened. The first time around, I said, well, I don't want to watch that, so change the channel. The second time around, I did not change the channel, but I had to change. I had to change my preference and my desire and what I wanted to watch. See, now that's the difference. We love to treat people like we do our TV with the remote. Well, I don't like you, another one. I don't like you either, change it. I really don't like you, change it. This isn't working out with my spouse, let's get a new one. It's not working out with my kids, mute. I mean, it's what we do. Need a new job, change the job. I don't like my boss, let's go somewhere else. I mean, we're great at not changing us. We're great at trying to change everything else. I'm telling you, it does not work like that. I comes before you. What if I began to change? I don't have a lot of control over my circumstances, but I most certainly have control on some level of my heart and how I approach the broken things in my life. Am I just going to jump to the end and say, that's it, let's get a new one? Or am I willing to diagnose the problem in it? Can I diagnose the problem? What's really broken may be my heart. Can I start there? It needs to begin, it needs to start with our hearts and asking yourself the question, what is the condition of my heart? Jesus lays out, here's four heart conditions. Where are you in these situations? And this will change. I might have one heart condition and approach with one group of people and then another environment, it changes. What I hear a lot in regards to the, the TV remote idea is, well, that's not fair. Why should I have to change and they shouldn't? You're right. And as my mother has always said, life's not fair. Grace is not fair. Forgiveness is not fair. Mercy is not fair. The cross is most certainly not fair. If you're concerned with fair, you're following the wrong leader. Jesus showed us what grace, forgiveness, and mercy, and sacrifice look like, and they are not fair. I before you, may we be willing to look at the conditions of our heart. Now, Jesus said the, the right heart condition, he described it by good, good soil. It's like having a noble heart, good character. But remember the and says the right heart is important, but what else? And by persevering, by persevering. That's the key part of that, the right heart, but also hard work. You have to keep working at it. It doesn't stop. So I'm going to go through four uh, Four or not four conditions, but four ways we work on our heart, right? If you can begin to identify where your current, what your current heart condition is and begin to make next steps towards changing that, we've got to know how to actually take control over our heart because, again, what's really broken may not really be the problem. We have to start at our heart. So four things in regards to getting to the right heart condition. The first one is guard your heart. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says it like this. Guard your heart. That's where I got that from. I know, pretty good, huh? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Keep watch over your heart. Pay attention to your heart, because where your heart goes, yes, eventually that's where your life is going to go. My mom also used to say that garbage in is also garbage out. Yes, so whatever you let into your heart is eventually going to start coming out of you. What you watch, what you see, what you hear, what you listen to, who you listen to, who you're around. The things you allow in your life and in your heart eventually will come out. So scripture says, guard your heart. If you want to have that good soil, that good heart, you got to have the perseverance to guard it. And it's work. Yes, it takes work. That's why Jesus says it's not just about having the right heart and being good. It's with perseverance. It's with the work. Second one is check your heart. We want to change our heart condition. We have to take an honest look and evaluation of where our heart currently is, what our current condition is. So check your heart. 
Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts, my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the way of everlasting. Lead me along the way that you would see. And what we're doing there is we're saying, okay, God, I'm an open book. Search me, O God. Know my heart. What do you see? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What's going on in my mind when I run into problems? When things are broken and not working right? How do I approach them? And then this last line is is the most difficult for us to pray. Point out anything in me that offends you. God, where are we not aligned? You have permission to point those things out and to continue to lead me in the right way. Check your heart. Make this a regular prayer for you. I I call this the spiritual oil change for our heart. (laughs) Here's why. Um, all of our cars, our two cars, are well over 200,000 miles, and, and they're, they're hanging in there. And so anytime I go, the, the, the little dashboard blinks at me and says, Brian, it's time to go get your oil changed. I take it to the shop, and I say, my car told me to come here, said we wanted to change the oil. And I, I say something that is very difficult for me to say, and, and many of you probably would never think to do this, but I have to, because I, I don't know anything about cars. So I say, and while you're changing the oil, I work up to it, I say, will you just look for anything else that's wrong? And they're like, excuse me, sir? You want us to find problems with your van or your car? I said, I do, I do. They're like, are you sure? I said, yes, because here's why. I don't have a clue how things work in cars. I can open the hood and say, hey, that tube looks like it's okay. But what in reality, to me, looks fine, in reality, to a mechanic, does not look fine. I need somebody smarter than me to look at my vehicles and say, hey, these are all okay, but this right here is gonna be a problem if you don't fix it. I need somebody that knows what they're doing to tell me that. So I've learned it's cheaper to take care of it on the front end than to have to just buy a whole new car. So I'll take it. I'll 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 take, I'll bite off whatever bullet I need to up front because I know it's going to be better in the long run. We need to do that in our relationship with God. God, open me up and look at me because it's better for me to know now than to wait till my relationships are truly damaged, to, to, to deal with it now than to get to a place where I don't feel like I can get back. So God, tell me what's wrong with my heart. Point it out. Point out anything in me that offends you that's not in alignment with you. And, and help me check my heart. We have to guard our heart. We have to check our heart. And then comes the change. Change your heart. David wrote this, Psalm 50, verse 10, 51, verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. We do have some control over our heart, but there's a point where God has to step in and change it. David, if you know his story, he got to a place where his heart was quite divided. He says, God, the only way that I can totally change is for you to do it. So create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast or renew a loyal spirit within me. God, I'm tired of of my heart being divided and serving this and that. So God, would you come into my life, would you come into my heart, and would you clean it all out, move anything out that's not of you. Make my heart 100% sold out to you and only you, but God, you've got to create that in me. God, change my heart. Guard your heart, check your heart regularly, but ask God to change your heart. And prayer is what does that. Prayer aligns our heart with him. If you're having marital problems, one of the hardest things that you will do, and I'm going to tell you to do it, is pray with your spouse. Pray with your spouse because prayer has a way of aligning hearts to God. Not to each other, but aligning hearts to God. Pray with your kids. Pray as a family. Pray in your relationship with God. Prayer. Did you expect a preacher to say pray? Yes, and that's because it's so true. Pray, because it aligns your heart with God's. Allow our prayers to do just that, to change our hearts.
Truett Cathy said this. We all know who Truett Cathy is. We, thank you. I was like, we live outside of Atlanta. Come on, people. Here's what he said. He said, you don't have to be a Christian to work at Chick-fil-A, but we ask you to base your business on biblical principles because they work. Because they work. I think you could replace bib, or, uh, business with anything. You, you base your family on biblical principles, it works. Your finances on biblical principles, it'll work. Your marriage on biblical principles, it'll work. Your relationship with your employer, it'll work. You base your life on biblical principles. You have that heart that hears it, receives it, and has perseverance through it. It's going to work. That doesn't mean everything's solved, but it means you will make it through. Guard your heart. Check your heart. Change your heart. Last one is worship with all your heart. Worship with all your heart. That's why we do what we do here. Why do we sing for half of it? I don't like singing. Well, it's not to sing. It's to worship. Now, are there other ways to worship? Absolutely. Worship literally means to add worth to, to make something worthy or worthwhile. That's what our worship does. It says, God, you are worthy. You are worth it. You are worthwhile. Well, what tends to happen is we tend to worship God with everything except our heart. Let me show you what that looks like. When we worship God with all of our heart, Let's pretend God is right there. So here's how I'm going to worship God with everything except my heart. That's what it looks like. Here's why. We can worship God with, with our eyes and we say, God, I, I'm looking towards you and, and I'm even trying to follow you. God, I, I say the right things and I know the right things and I'm even reaching out towards you. But the problem is, remember what Proverbs says? Our heart directs our life. If our heart is not directed towards God... That's not adding full worth to him, partially. We worship with all our heart. And when we worship with all of our heart, sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't know what to think. We don't know what to do. All we can say is, God, my heart is focused on you. You have my heart. And sometimes we get to a place in dealing with broken things that aren't working. We need to say, okay, God, you have my heart. And I'm just going to trust that the rest of me is going to eventually follow. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to direct my heart towards you. And I don't know how to do the rest of this. So if my heart's on you, then I'm going to trust that my heart towards you will eventually have everything else follow afterwards. Sometimes we just have to put our heart first. Because it starts with our heart. So what's your heart condition? And are you willing to see your heart change? Instead of expecting everything else to change. Because you get the right heart and not everything's going to be as easy as just, well, it was broken. Aha. Wait, one more. Aha. Except two times. It's not that easy. I know that. But are you willing to look at the real problem? The problem of the heart. Your heart condition. Start there. And allow God to do what only he can do. We can't change everything around us, but we, we can work on our heart. Let's work on the condition of our heart. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, when you came in uh, and got your worship guide, and we also were hopefully picking up uh, some communion. Uh, if you didn't, you didn't know what it was, or you weren't able to grab one, I've got some volunteers. Uh, they would be glad to, to make sure you get it. If you would just raise your hand right here in the middle, just let them know you need one of these, and they will be happy to make sure everybody has one. Communion has a way of aligning our hearts with Jesus. Because it causes us to remember what he has already done for us. The grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness, and the sacrifice. Communion, we recognize that we're not perfect, but he is. 
So it aligns our heart with him as we remember him. So we want to give you a moment to align your heart with him, to have some true moments to say, God, what is the condition of my heart? Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me. Point out anything in me that, that you don't like that's not of you. And starting right here and right now, may our hearts begin to be aligned with him. And no, not all of our problems will be solved by the end of today. Some of our problems and the things that are broken, I will tell you now, are not intended to be fixed in this lifetime. It's not our job to fix them. It's our job to keep our heart in the condition that Jesus says. A good heart that hears, receives, retains, and with perseverance produces a crop. Let me pray for us, and then after I pray, you can take off the top wrapper that, represent, that has the cracker, represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. The next wrapper will expose the juice that represents Jesus' blood for us, that was poured out and sacrificed for us, that give us life. Let's pray, and let's have a moment to align our hearts with him. Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your teachings that are in your word. Thank you for giving us your word that has everything that we need in those pages as your Holy Spirit speaks to us through your word. God, reveal to us the condition of our heart. Reveal to us our, our approach to our brokenness and the broken things of our life. And God, we know that not everything is intended to be fixed in this life, but help us to have the heart that would be honoring to you. Help us to have a heart that would be pleasing to you. Help us to have a heart that is in alignment with you. In this moment, we remember your sacrifice through your son, Jesus. We thank you, we remember you, and we give you our entire heart. In Jesus' name.